back now with more Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're going to continue our conversation about cycling, but merge into a different lane. Let's focus now on what cyclists and motorists can do to stay safe while on the go. Here's what one of our listeners, Melissa from Logan Square, thinks about the importance of safety education. I'm a commuter cyclist for the last almost 20 years in Chicago. So I've seen a lot of the changes in bike infrastructure around the city. But what I haven't seen is education of how to use and to respect that infrastructure. I want to see billboards and posters teaching the rules of the road to drivers, cyclists, and pedestrians alike. I want to see traffic cops teaching people to navigate the changes new infrastructure makes in their intersections. And I want to see the city investing and teaching its citizens how to respect one another and to keep us all safe. We'll dig into those issues Melissa's talking about right now. With us to discuss best practices for safe cycling and what to do if you're in a collision is David Simmons. He is the executive director of Ride Illinois. Hi, David. Welcome to Reset. Hey, Sasha. Well, thanks for having us. Let's start with the basics, David. What does somebody absolutely need to ride safely? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. The, I'm taking you back. Absolutely need, yeah. <laughs> what do you need? Um, what do you need? Well, uh, you know, a, a proper functioning bike uh, is, is a good start. You know, of course, we recommend wearing a helmet just to, to be safe if, if you're in a crash, um, you know, protect your head. Um, you know, if, you're ri- if one's riding at night, you know, just being visible having a white front headlight and a rear red you know, reflector or light, you know, just to, to help eliminate some of the causes of crashes, um, you know, a little bit can, can go a long way. Are there any common mistakes that you see cyclists make when they're on the road? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of data uh, that is, is available. Um, and I, I will say the, the most uh, common cause of a crash where a bicyclist is at fault, so this, is, of course, is relying on the data from crash reports uh, is going the wrong way, going against traffic. Mm. Um, motorists, uh, even other bicyclists or pedestrians, don't expect someone coming at them from the opposite direction. So that's the, co- the number one cause of, of uh, crashes uh, where bicyclists are at fault. And then um, when the number one cause of, of crashes where motorists are at, at fault are, tend to be uh, a right hook where they, uh, the motorist misjudges a bicyclist's speed uh, to kind of speed up to, to make a right turn yeah. and then causes a crash at an intersection. Uh, but, you know, what we teach, what Ride Illinois teaches, is that, you know, there, crashes can be avoided. Um, there's always something that, um, typically something that, that, you know, both users could have done differently. Um, so the last uh, comment just before we jumped into the segment from, from the listener was, was great. Um, you know, focusing on education and getting all road users right. uh, the, you know, what they need to be safe when they're out there. Got any more advice for motorists? Well, yeah, Jim Merrill from Active Transit so, was kind enough to, to plug our bike safety quiz, and we do have a motorist quiz, you know, uh, and it would, would recommend that, that folks uh, take that, of course, um, it, because there's not a lot of information um, that, that motorists are required to to learn uh, in order to pass the, the driver's test. What, so, what kind of questions are on the quiz? Give me uh, an example. You know, there's, yeah, there's very few right now. It's, it's a big pool. Um, I, I believe, and this may not be an exact number, but I believe about there's about eight questions pertaining to bicyclists out of a pool of 400 or so. I see. Okay. Um, so things like the, the three-foot passing law, which requires motorists to give people on bikes at least three feet uh, from the outside of their mirror to the handlebars, um, you know, that that's on the test. And another one that's a relatively new technique 
uh, is the Dutch Reach. So that that is What's a that? question of the touch. It teaches the idea there is that a motorist will um, look over their left shoulder and open a door with their right hand um, when exiting their vehicle. And the idea behind that, and of course, based on the name, it came from the Netherlands. Um, it kind of forces you to look over your shoulder and see if there's um, anyone coming I up. I see, because you've got, you got to twist your body and t- physically turn yeah. in, if you're going to open the door with your right arm. Interesting. Yep. I think it'll take time for people to become familiar with that. I know, you know, the old adage, you can't teach old dog new, new tricks. tricks. Yeah. That certainly applies to me. You know, it, I have to really think about that. But, you know, something like that is an education campaign that, you know, honestly, if it, if it avoids one crash, you know, it's, it's we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. All right. Let's let's you and I keep moving here. Uh, what's the protocol yeah, sure. when a cyclist is on a street with no bike lane? Should they just avoid that street? Well, you know, if, if there's an, an alternative route, of, you know, a lesser traveled route. Sure. We'd recommend that. You know, I, I've said many times over the years, um, it, it, teaching classes or even speaking with individuals that, you know, your route that you take by bike may be different than the, the route you would take by vehicle, right? So you have to think a little bit differently. I think we're all kind of programmed to think about fastest, quickest, most direct route, but that may not be the best route uh, if you're going by bike. So, uh, yeah, if there's an alternative route, yeah, it would certainly you know, take it, and, and you're going to see something new likely along the way if, if you're used to going a different route. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if if that is the only route, then, you know, things that bicyclists can do to ride defensively and to be visible um, is avoid hugging the curb, hugging the shoulder, which invites motorists or other lane users to, to share your own lane. Um, communication like hand signals, you know, just letting people know where you're going, um, you know, can go a long way to just avoiding confusion. Yeah, well, you know what, on the topic of, of, of hand signals... We've been debating this on Team Reset. Is it safer to signal even if you have to lift your hand from the handlebars? So, uh, I mean, I think the quick answer to that is is no, and, and the law would back up a bicyclist on that. A bicyclist doesn't need to signal if um, if they can't control the bike. So, I see. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's it's certainly the right thing to do. It's the the, the kind thing to do. But it, it, if if that could result in a crash, uh, you know, one is the recommendation is keep your hands keep your hands on. It makes sense. Yep. Um, yeah. Briefly tell us, um, David, which areas, which types of streets tend to be most dangerous? Well, you know, I, I was able to listen to the the discussion prior to this, and um, you know, streets that have higher speeds, uh, for sure, are, are going to be more dangerous for cyclists simply because. You know, it takes a longer distance for a motorist to stop, right? Yeah. Um, streets with narrow lanes. Uh, it, only because the, the situation all too often is that, you know, a motorist may want to share that lane or may want to squeeze by. So if there is a wider lane, that gives a little bit more play for a bicyclist uh, and a motorist, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, those tend to be... Yeah, the, the tough ones and outside of Chicago in rural areas, street uh, roads that have hills, you know, just like the crest of a hill can be a, a particularly dangerous spot because um, a motorist, an encro- you know, encroaching motorist may not see a bicyclist that may have just crested a hill. So different areas um, really present different challenges. But, uh, you know, 
Yeah. Well, as long as folks are are safe and and smart and and but certainly on a bike near a defensive, um, a lot of crashes mm-hmm. can be avoided. I want to play a voicemail from a listener, uh, Barbara from Hyde Park. She feels like cy- cyclists aren't sharing the neighborhood trails with pedestrians at the uh, promontory point. Let's listen. Bicycles come zipping through there. They don't pay any attention to the signs. They don't warn people when they pass. I think it's an unsafe situation, and it makes things less comfortable. So leave us with this, David. How can cyclists share the road and trails better with pedestrians? And remind us where we can get more education after you leave this conversation. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, it, it, she brought up a great point, right? So bicyclists need to yield to pedestrians, whether it be on the road or on a trail. Um, they, you know, bicyclists can be the bullies of a trail, right? And I think because our society views bicycling as kind of a sport or as recreation, uh, there's such a focus on speed and time and that. So it really just needs to slow down. And we need to change the narrative so bicycling is just something that average everyday people do to get around um as far as more uh more information about education um, mentioned our, our bike safety quiz which is a free online quiz and there's lots of different resources out there um league of american bicyclists has a whole program called their smart cycling program um so there's there's in-person classes and some online resources as well um and i would like to to mention because jim brought it up earlier um we well, Ride Illinois, we, we've been offering monthly uh, courses via Zoom called the Bicycle Friendly Driver Course. Mm-hmm. It's a one-hour conversation um, where we offer tips to motorists about how to, to drive safely near people on bikes. And we also look at it from the opposite perspective. So that's another resource yeah. out there. That's I think great. The next one is at the end of June, I would say the 29th. That's and David Simmons. Org. David Simmons from Ride Illinois. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Sasha. Let's quickly bring in another voice to the conversation. We'll hear about what to do if you're involved in a collision while cycling. On the line with us now is Janine Fletcher-Thomas, who's a member of Families for Safe Streets. Hi, Janine. Hi, thanks for having me. Tell us how you got into this work. I got into this work. uh, I became involved with Families for Safe Streets after losing my mother in a deadly car crash. Um, It wasn't related to bicycles, but through this, I've been involved with a number of people across the country, lobbying senators, local officials, specifically on this initiative towards Road to Zero, a plan to eliminate roadway deaths, which takes into consideration, like your caller, pedestrians, takes into consideration bicyclists and um, drivers. I'm so sorry to hear about your mother, Janine. Thank you. Um, let's let's say someone is involved in a in a collision or a crash. What is the first thing that they should do? First thing people need to do is see if anyone's hurt and they need to get help and they absolutely should not leave the scene. A lot of issues with crashes, um, however they happen on the roadway, are a lack of attention. Um, So people need to pay attention and then if a crash happens, people need to see if someone needs assistance. Um, If it's not a safe place to be and the person's in a medically safe condition that they can be moved, they need to be moved um, and ask for help. You know, the one thing I worry about, and I think a lot of people worry about, is a bystander bias where you assume someone else is going to get help. Yes. Um, but if no one else is there, you need to pick up the phone, you need to call 911 and do what you can. Right. You, you assume someone else has already dialed, just dial anyway, right? right. Um, exactly. So should people go to the hospital no matter what? 
You know, it's always safe to get a doctor to check it out, a hospital, urgent care, um, a primary care physician. If, you know, you've been hit and you're worried, um, I think it, it's definitely important to get that trust, trust uh, to get that checked out. I'm not a doctor, but I think it's good for peace of mind to make sure you don't have anything um, that you don't know about, like internal bleeding. Like you might feel fine, but it's worth getting checked out because it'll be very serious if you don't get that medical care. What about documentation? Should everybody involved <laughs> in the collision get a copy of the report? You know, the documentation is going to be a struggle to get certain reports um, just from a legal standpoint. But, yes, you should report it to your your insurance provider and then let your insurance deal with it. Um, and then, you, unfortunately, not everyone is properly insured. And some people are underinsured. But if you are insured, then your insurance provider can help sort that out with you mm-hmm. and give you the advice and the steps that you need to take. Why is it and such so a struggle it- to, to get the uh, get a copy? You know, if it's medical information you're seeking, uh, if you're trying to determine fault um, and you know severity of injuries, it's going to be protected by certain um, medical protections. Obviously, if you're in a legal proceeding, you can you know file discovery and use protective orders and something like that. But people don't normally want to hand over that medical information right away. What about the police report though of the crash? The police report should be pretty easy to get. I mean, you can get copies of the police report by going to the police station. When should folks reach out to a lawyer? You know. Um, Try with your insurance first. That's going to be covered. Um, if you need to reach out to a lawyer because of personal injury, um, if you're hitting roadblocks and it's not something you can handle um, and you don't have a solution for, you should reach out to a lawyer. You know, it's going to be a plaintiff's attorney, um, and some are going to be better than others. If you get good referrals from someone who has this experience, that's probably going to be your best bet, and they're going to know how to navigate that system. And, and for this conversation, Janine, we've been deliberate about using the term crash as opposed to accident. Can you talk about why that difference is important? Yes, of course. This is something I feel very passionate about. Whenever we use the word accident, we imply that it just happens, that, you know, this is something that happens and we have to accept that that's what happens in the world. But most quote-unquote accidents, there's, there's fault. Um, there's human error. Very rarely is a bicyclist, is a motorist killed because someone had a seizure or someone slipped on black ice and lost control of the car, most of the time it's negligence. It's someone not paying attention. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, in the event that someone's seriously injured, um, they may not die, but they might, you know, lose the ability to walk, have all these things that happen in their life, and to call it an accident is really minimizing to the person involved. And it doesn't create the responsibility that all of us living in the society need to have to um, just treat each other with the respect and try to avoid these crashes. Data collected by Outside Magazine shows that about a quarter of bike crashes are hit and runs. What does someone do in that instance? In a hit and run, if you're in a position where you are uh, conscious, you know, try to recall as much information as possible. I say that fully well, understanding that you're probably in shock, but if you can recall the car, you can recall the license plate. Um, If there's someone nearby, yell Mm -hmm. for help to get that help. Um, and then, you know, call the police in a hit-and-run instance as soon as you are medically able to do so. Yeah, very important. Any final words from you for for motorists listening right now? What do you want them to know? You know, for motorists, I think it's just, it's an old adage, but, you know, consider if it was someone that you loved riding the bike, consider if it was someone you loved walking, and, you know, treat a car with the responsibility that we all know, um, you know, it's been a while since I was learning how to drive a car, but I do remember it's a amazing responsibility, mm-hmm. and it's a large machine, and it can really hurt people. Um, and 
it's not something we should do distracted. We shouldn't be eating. We shouldn't be texting. We shouldn't be on social media. You know, pay attention and try, and that's going to dramatically help. And remember, if you speed too much, you're not really going to get anywhere faster. Just, you know, go the appropriate speed limit. Yes, very true. Janine Fletcher-Thomas with Families for Safe Streets. Thank you for your time, Janine. Thank you so much. I appreciate the conversation. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.